Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner here on TRSI. I am here today again with my friend and colleague, Michael Dwyer. Today is the 26th of the 8th. I hope you've been well since we last spoke. Michael, how have you been? I've been fine. The again is a bit odd. It's like third or fourth time. It's not. I think they've got the hang of the idea, Gary, that it's pretty well always going to be me. Not always, Michael. No, not always. I mean, let's be honest, you're in astoundingly poor health. I, why do you do this? Why do you, you, I, you said it's always going to be you, and I think we can both accept, Michael, that I am outlasting you. It's always... Oh, I don't know. I don't... I, don't, I haven't discounted the, the, the possibility that your girlfriend gets hold of a high-powered rifle one of these days. Okay, yes, the chance of me being murdered. Probably not by my girlfriend, but by someone I've said something about. Oh, I think I think anybody that knows you well. I mean, I think that when when Poirot comes to that particular investigation, he's going to need a very big room to go through all of the suspects. Mm. And I say that with deep affection, of course. I mean, you're not incorrect as such. To be honest, I always thought I'd be dead before this. I thought I'd be stabbed in a bar fight. <laughs> but now, now I've made it into the thirties. Yeah, I kind of, I assume I feel much the same as, you know, those people who have inoperable cancers that then just disappear. And they're like, oh, thought I'd be dead. Every moment is a gift, Michael. Every, Every day, another beautiful surprise in a life I didn't think I'd be leading. Yes. But you, on the other hand, you're going only one way. We're all only going one way. It is a one-way system, Gary. Yeah, but for me, it's more of a highway, and for you, it's more of a slope. I like to think of it more as a back a country road and I'm going to take it at around 35 miles an hour and enjoy the scenery. Can we talk about America going mad? Well, that's what I wanted to talk about in Phil Hogan, but then you you started making statements about how you're sort of eternal. I, did, I, I said it had always been me. You even got the tense wrong. Oh, sorry, Please. I thought you said it would always be no, you. No, no, no. I have no, I have no uh, misconceptions about that. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, but it hasn't always been you, but we'll let that slide. You can't change the past, Michael. It hasn't always been you, either. That's a fair point. Anyway. Yes, anyway. There are riots in America, there are things happening there. But first, we we were talking last week, Michael, about how we don't do resignations in Ireland. We do not. And uh, the shock that someone from Fulcher had gone. But then the recognition that this would mean that other people would have to go, because this gulf dinner happened too soon after they'd forced him out. Golfgate. Yeah, Michael, you ever like, okay, so, you remember when they liberated the camps after World War II? Yes, go carefully. I'm not one to just wander willy-nilly into a Holocaust camp comparison. Yes. So after they <laughs> liberated the camps, you know, people were starving, but they had to restrain them from getting food for eating as much food and water as they'd like, because after a period of starvation, if you uh, if you do that, if you if you eat as much as you think you want to, uh, you can die. Yes, because your your body can't handle it. Same with horses. Horses, if you run them really really hard and then they drink too much water, they can die. Kind of feel like that's the Irish population with uh, resignations right now, except there's no one saying no, lads. No, this is this is too much. We've gone from from the dark and never having resignations and the first chance we get to have mass resignations we just can't stop ourselves we just keep yeah. going 
<clears throat> and it was re resignations all over the gaff because there were, I think it, it was 81 people at the uh, the golf event and there were people saying basically the list of <laughs> the list needs to be published and they all need to go 81 of them and I thought well where are they going to go I mean all, all the TDs they have to go off the Sean O'Rourke has to retire again Sean O'Rourke was a private citizen wasn't nothing for him to resign to so what sean o'rourke has managed to do is to pre-resign because he was actually going to go back to rte and do some programming i think next month or the month after it october i think uh he said and uh before even he has got there that has now been taken off the table because of his dreadful wickedness so he has pre-resigned Derek leary did the correct thing he apologized immediately and was gone the next day so we're now as john mcgurk pointed out it is like the romans had their year of the four emperors we are now in the year of the four ministers for agriculture and the year is not over yet who knows no will 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 the next minister for agriculture be farming's vespasian but phil is still there phil is sticking in at it Phil is, I mean, as we said, you you like you'll pull Phil kicking and screaming from that position. I I think this might just be a very intricate setup, though, Michael. I think how so? Well, I think Phil is looking for a change of pace, and he has uh, he's set this up in such a way to generate immense media attention, so that he can take over as the chairman of Fulcher. <laughs> because that man's commitment to touring Ireland is fucking spectacular. You think? Every day he comes out, and every day he's gone somewhere else in Ireland. He's gone to a different restaurant, a different pub, a different county. It is spectacular. Uh, yeah, he, 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 well, in many ways, you look at Phil and you think that's, that's the face of, uh, of a welcome. That's of that's the face of Falchard. That's the man you want to be going around uh, the globe, inviting people to come and have their holidays here. He, he golfing holidays probably. I suppose would be his specialization. I don't. Know. I think that if it's not, it's as always. It's not the. Uh, it's not. It's not the jump that kills you. It's when you hit the ground. It's not the story itself, but rather in this case, if Phil is forced to go and let's just be clear he can't be sacked by the irish government he can't be sacked by the the president of the commission he has to go through a process where either the council and or the commission make a complaint against him to the european court of justice and the european court of justice has to make a finding against him and a finding based that he has been engaged in serious misconduct or he is no longer fit now presumably when accepting he is fit for purpose so it'd have to be a finding that he done of serious misconduct. Now, insofar as I'm aware, he hasn't broken any laws. Well, no, but you know, it's, it's, you know, the old saying, it's not the crime that gets you, it's the cover up. Well, exactly. And what, it's not so much the cover up, but the perception, I wouldn't go any further, but the possible perception that he has been less than frank with the commission, maybe what annoys the commission more. But Gary, can I suggest that actually, the key to his salvation maybe if he is to be saved are we are we certain sure that of the other I mean, commission commissioners are the kinds of people who will who are busy they're traveling they travel a lot for work 
they have a certain lifestyle. Are all 27 members, or even most of the 27 members of the Commission, happy at the notion that having seen one of their cohort put on the uh, sacrificial pyre because he had broken COVID regulations in his country, that they would be, if somebody decided, an enterprising Lithuanian journalist or Maltese or Spanish or whatever, let's look at our commissioner, see what they've been doing. Would You know, I have a suspicion that there may be more than Phil has broken the rules, regulations, guidelines, whatever they happen to be. I mean, in some countries, they may actually be laws. I suspect the French have laws. So, I don't know. I think that there'll be, a, there'll be a certain reluctance amongst members of the Commission that this should go all the way down. I can see that he could maybe get a, a smack of the wrist, a public rebuke, maybe have to make a, an even more fulsome apology. By the way, did you have you been have you noticed the way the press and not just the elements of social media have been going mad about the correct use of the word fulsome? Seems to be more worrying to them than the content of the apology. I suspect, unless the rest of the commission is Simon Pure, I can't imagine they're going to be that keen on the idea that Big Phil gets the heave ho. But who knows? He's a lot closer to it. He's a lot closer to it than he was three or four days ago. Yeah, I think the uh, the issue he'll run into now is that he's been giving information to the actual commission and the commission have been making statements based on that. And then it's turning out that he may have had an incomplete recollection. Yes, it, it may have been incomplete. Maybe it lacked context. Maybe some of the timelines were unclear. The perception, uh, the unfortunate perception maybe, is that he was being less than fully frank and open in his statements. And the commission had came up, had remember going back, the day after this broke, the commissioners, the commission spokesperson came out and basically used him as an example of how seriously the commission took regulations and how his behaviour had been excellent and, ex and indeed exemplary. So that makes them look a little bit like a bit of a gobshite or involved a little bit of gobshittery anyway. So they may not like that. Yeah. Now, it seems like the government is saying they've lost confidence in him. However, the government doesn't need to have confidence in him. It, it, I think it's an... The government have chosen themselves at this stage to to amplify this point. They, everybody knew where they were. They'd made their statement. They had said what they were going to say. They could have left it. They've now made, put themselves in, the, Michal Martin seems to put himself in the position where he's, it's almost like he's demanding that the commission may take action, which just, in a position where he's not, in a, he can't do anything about it. No, I mean, Eamon Ryan has openly said the government has lost confidence in him. The Irish Times is now reporting that he apparently went to the K-Club the day after he flew into the country from Brussels. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, th there's nothing we can do to him. But they've put themselves in this position where, where that if nothing happens to him, it just makes them look dreadfully weak. I will say this, Michael. Do you remember... A couple of weeks ago, the newspapers were, actually not even a couple of weeks ago, the newspapers were full of people saying that 
the COVID restrictions, they, they totally lacked clarity. They were confusing. <laughs> People didn't know, you know, what to do if they were coming or going in another country. I really yeah. do have to commend the nation's media on how quickly they came to an resolute understanding of the exactness of those regulations and uh, in such a way that no one could be confused by them. Well, that's the, that, a point that was made by one journalist was that actually what Phil Hogan really has done is in the, the language of Marx, he has precipitated a crisis based on the internal contradictions of the order. Phil has made it clear. Phil is arguing, and he may have some kind of legitimacy that he obeyed this rule and he obeyed that rule and in the totality of things it wasn't too bad because in fact there is a lack of clarity a lack of coherence uh, to the regulations and he has made this crystal clear he's brought that con those contradictions out into the open and yes on the other hand the, the press have now decided that rather than being a mass of oddnesses that really, no, it's absolutely clear. And that were inadvertently going to, but absolutely going to lead to people thinking they were abiding by the rules while breaking them. Yeah. Now, absolutely clear. Like, there's this story going around of people coming into the country being advised by Gardaí that if they had taken a test and the test was clear that they didn't have to quarantine. And the Citizens Advice website says something to that nature, but then the HSE are saying that, well, that doesn't count for people who fly into the country, and it's just... And we know, I say we know, I don't know if we know, but it is widely believed that that's if you fly into Dublin, but if you fly into Belfast and get the train down to Dublin, then that doesn't apply. But I think the real question here is, um, if Phil had made sure at every stop on his way to have a bowl of chicken wings, would he be okay now? <laughs> if they cost nine euro if they cost at least nine euro because we know michael that that keeps the virus away this is true i mean because if it doesn't keep the virus away then part of the government's opening strategy would be totally devoid of sense or reason also do you know what else keeps the virus away i it's the memory of chalk dust the memory of chalk dust i've been trying to work out what it is because you know the way you can't have more than six people in your house and the, the numbers of, you know, you can't, you, the, the, the big danger is when you have large numbers of people in small enclosed spaces, right? But you know the way it's perfectly safe to have 30 children and a teacher in a, in a classroom, which seems like... I mean, I don't know that, but I'm, I'm told that that is the case. So if you have six people in your house who you know, but you get 30 people from 30 different households, and you put them into a classroom, which is going to be quite small, and where they won't be able to maintain two, two metre social distancing. But it will be safe. So I thought, what is this? Now, they don't use chalk in schools anymore. Very few places do, because they have whiteboards and things nowadays. But I think it must be the memory of chalk dust, because it's the only thing I can think of that is specific to an Irish classroom. It used to be that they would start, you'd have every class would start with a prayer in Irish, but they don't do that anymore. So I'm going with the, it's the memory of chalk dust. So should should we cover ourselves in chalk dust? Well, I was going to say, is that is that to say that your health advice to our listener is to ingest chalk dust? Well, you know, Gary, I'm not a doctor. I mean, they can't cover themselves in chalk dust because that would clearly be cultural appropriation. 
yes, for those 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 cultures where people cover themselves in chalk dust all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, Gary. I'm not a doctor. But you know what? I will be covering myself in chalk dust from now on. That's all I'm saying. After that, people can do what they like. And we should make it clear that this is not a, a medical program and nothing that we say should be taken as medical advice. Unless you want to. Unless they want to, yeah. Uh, however, that is not to say that there is any apparent contradiction or incoherence in the rules. Uh, like, for example, I don't know if you ever watch the game of rugby, Gary. No, no. But in the game of rugby, they have these things called rooks and scrums, where you get 10 and 15 large men, like six from one side and six or seven from the others. And they all lie on the ground on top of each other and they roll around and they give each other hugs and hold onto their legs and sit on their heads and stuff like that. Now, that would be what you'd call body contact, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that's safe. So just to, to clarify, Michael, can a rook move diagonally? Can a rook move diagonally? Uh, just in the rules of rugby, I'm just curious. Uh, diagonally, or I, I'm normally a rook wouldn't move. I think if you have because uh, a rook is on the ground, and I say, I, I've never played rugby, so I. Oh, I thought really, I thought a rook was a uh, was a player of some type. No, no, no. <laughs> like a castle. Yes, yeah. I was wondering if it followed the same rules as chess. No, no, it's R-U-C-K, I believe. Oh, I see. I see. That's so, what a terribly embarrassing mistake to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, 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 although, I mean, you have pawns on the rugby field and you have knights, I'm sure. I'm certain you have the odd queen. Uh, however, the point being, you've got all these, these chaps and they're on the ground and they're rolling around each other and they're in contact and that that's but that's perfectly safe now but what is not safe gary is if you put those into the aviva stadium right mm -hmm. which holds 40 or fifty thousand people now if you got 500 people and scattered them around the stadium at distances of 100 meters apart to watch the rugby that would be dangerous obviously michael you couldn't get 500 people in because we know that merely putting one person in those spectator stands the the sheer act of his uh of him glimpsing what is happening on that pitch is a COVID nightmare. Absolutely. It would enrage the virus. It would The virus would win, Gary. Well, it was. I mean, in, in fairness theory, you have the male gaze. Do we now have, you know, the viral gaze? <laughs> viral gaze, indeed, yes. So that's, that, that, Which is, that's is, something. Which is, if you're going to use as a phrase, be very careful about the, the S there. Yes, yeah, or the Z. Viral gaze, perfectly acceptable. Viral gaze, potentially homophobic. <laughs> potentially, yes. It's just important that the people out there, that I think we have to be a conduit for sound, sensible in information, that we give practical advice on how the people can obey the rules. So, 15 lads lying on top of each other at rugby pitch, safe. One man in a stand watching them 150 metres away, dangerous. So, it's important... Pub, pints, table, dangerous. Pubs, pint, table, bowl of chicken wings, safe. So maybe it's chicken wings and, and chalk dust. Maybe that's the secret. Although I think a lot of places are also be, believe in the, prolaf, the prophylactic powers of small pizzas. I think small pizzas are very popular in that line now. Mm, mm. 
money, I think, is, is the best, uh, is in fact the best cure. On the idea of the viral gaze, Michael, I've sent you an image I think you should look at. <laughs> I've seen it. I will put it in the bottom of this podcast uh, so everyone may enjoy it. So anyway, we wait and see. I don't know. If, listen, by the time this goes out, Phil may have fallen on his sword. My suspicion is he doesn't quite know where his sword is, but it's probably somewhere where he can't go and get it because if he went to get it, he would break the regulations and Phil is not that kind of man. He probably left it at his home in rural Ireland along with the rest of the sensitive documents he said he left there. (laughs) And a change of shirt. And a change of shirt. Uh, He's some man. I have enjoyed seeing him. (laughs) Someone go, someone... (laughs) But that's not what the regulations say, to which Phil Hogan basically went, well, I reject that. Yeah, says you. You would say that, being involved in those regulations. I forgot how much I enjoy Phil Hogan's sheer ability to just go, well, I don't fucking care. He is is a force of nature. He is indeed a force of nature. But still... I think there's only so much you can get out of Phil for the time being. We should say we should keep some of it for the rest of the week because I suspect we may have we may have to come back to this. Oh, I'm sure we will. At the end of this, it will just be Phil and everyone else dead around him. Yeah, Phil and the cockroaches. Listen, guys. I just wanted before we get on to the to the I suppose what is the big news. There's a story which I don't think probably our our listeners aware of, and probably wonders why. Should why indeed they should be but it's it's something that i wanted to bring up so that in a oh in five years or ten years time that we can look back and send we and smile and say well i told you so i don't know if you're aware of this gary i'm sure you probably are because you know everything about these things you spend your life reading newspapers from across the world but for the first time in around 20 years the state of california has been suffering power outages what the rolling blackouts and this has been caused not by forest fires or by damage to the grid system it's because gary they are not producing enough electricity now it's a bit of a concatenation of circumstances all of these things happening at the same time the big and the in fact this was predicted that california is producing just about enough electricity at any one time for its its needs but not much very little wriggle room at the moment there is the there is a brutal heat wave and as you know if you're in a brutal heat wave in the united states the place like california what you're going to get is a hell of a lot of people using air conditioning and air conditioning is very very uh, energy intensive right now the problem is that it's not just california getting the heat wave it's all that region of the United States, which means that historically they would have imported electricity from other states, but the other states don't have any electricity to send them. Now, what's that got to do with us? Well, it's got, if we dig in a little bit more into the story, we discover why we should be paying attention to this. At the moment, renewables make up 36% of California's electricity generation, right? And this is 2020. The Democrats who run California and have done for a long time and will do for the rest of human history have set a mandate that they're going to get 60% from renewables by 2030. 
So that's not quite double, but it's not far off it in the next 10 years. And then by 2045, which is you know, only 25 years ago, it's got 100%, right? Now, Gary, does that ring any bells with you? That kind of commitment. You may, you, 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 you may remember that we have actually, under the programme of government, committed to a radical reduction in the D, in the carbon emission-based electricity production in this country too, that we are dedicated towards uh, the introduction and the production of electricity through renewables. I mean, we do, although we very, very carefully said that, well, we'll get to that later on in the term. Yeah, but even within that, even the, the numbers are still there that demand, we're talking about like 70% reductions in carbon within certain periods of time. We're look, so it's, 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 I think it's a very useful thing to look at a country, look at a state, in the case of California, which has already started down that road. Right as we speak, they, have all, they are now running out of electricity. 36%, okay, 36% of California's electricity generation at the moment is through, is, shall we say, through renewables. Now, it's not just that they're getting rid of carbon. One of the largest, the single largest power producer in California is the Diablo Canyon Power Plant, which I think has one of the best names you could imagine for a power plant in the world. The Diablo Canyon. Is that not cool? I mean, it's pretty good. As pretty good. Now, the Diablo Canyon is a nuclear power plant, Gary. Now, if I was to give you a 50-50 guess at what the attitude in California Democrats towards nuclear power generation, what would you say? Have a guess. For or against? Well, they're against it, and they have decided that it's going to be closed within five years. But there's a tricky problem there, Gary, that the Yablo Canyon is responsible for 9% of all of the electricity produced in California and 23% of the carbon-free uh, electricity, which is produced in California. Mm. Now, they've already run out of electricity bef- when with their carbon-free. They're now in a position where in five years' time, they're going to take out a slightly less than a quarter of their carbon-free electricity. And they're still on the way to 60%, and they still are running out of electricity. You see, one of the key problems, Gary, is... Now, this is a technical thing, so try and keep up. California has a lot has invested massively because by the way california unlike is a very rich place much richer on a per capita basis than you know than ireland so they can afford this kind of thing perhaps in a way that we can't and one of the things as you can imagine california we know from the, the movies very hot very sunny place so solar power is an obvious choice to go for a renewable but there is one small problem they have found with small solar power, Gary. From your technical back, have, can you have any sense of what ha- might be a problem with solar power? The sun sets? The sun sets. And you know, production of energy from solar power, when the sun stops shining, plummets. Now, I don't know if this was predictable. I'm not a science guy. But apparently, in that period directly after the sunset, the temperature stays the same for around two hours, and usage, in fact, it can actually slightly increase. Humidity goes up, so you suddenly have all this power goes off grid, and there is no 
alternative, there's no way of putting it. Because they have discovered that renewables are not reliable. Wind power, not reliable. Solar power, not reliable. You have to have what they call backup power sources. And the only thing you can do, the only kind of backup source that are absolutely reliable are things that are based on nuclear power or burning things like gas, oil, coal, things like that. Michael, I do have to say, we did say that the sun sets every day. And it does. Yes. But we should does. also mention... But not, I suppose, not everywhere. We should also mention that historically, the sun has also risen every day and that that will continue to happen until Apep finally catches Ra and eats his golden barge. And of course, when that happens, we will have greater worries than sustainable energy. Yes, Gary, but I think that we know from the science that if we keep performing the correct rituals and keep performing the correct sacrifices, that they will never actually, he won't, he will never actually catch the golden barge of Ra. No, and of course, I mean, the barge is clearly staffed by the other gods and the justified yes. dead, and they will fend off the great serpent yes. uh, until the end time. So I think we, we need to properly position sustainable solar energy in that. In that context, absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Of course, there can be no sustainable energy when the golden barge has descended into the underworld, but it will come back. Well, that that's what I learned in science class anyway. And if it doesn't, well, it's its time for us all to change to the worship of uh, a popus. Or maybe, I don't know, Baal? Or maybe in a, in a less sunny context, maybe Thor and Odin? Because, you know, wind power may be where we're going. Anyway. I mean, maybe, maybe Tiamat. You walk into the deep. But that, that would be a, that would be a, you know, that would be an extreme step, I think. I love that there's a quote from the governor here. It says, the blackouts occurred without prior warning or enough time for preparation are unacceptable and unbefitting of the nation's largest and most innovative state. But the thing is, it, it, it wasn't without warning. The Californian independent systems has been warning for years that the state's increasing dependence, I'm quoting for the Wall Street Journal here, on intermittent renewables, especially solar, is making it harder to ensure reliable power. And... Uh, <laughs> I just to, I'm going to read you a sentence just to give you a sense of what the world looks like if you commit yourself to renewables as how you're going to make your energy in the future. Casio in, in part blamed cloud cover, weak winds, and failures at a couple of plants for this week's power outage. So it's not very windy and it's cloudy, so you don't get electricity. I don't know if that's the way you want to guarantee the basis of your future economy, Gary. It is a bit weird that California, being again the largest economy in America, can't keep the lights on. Yeah, like it is. It's the largest economy. It's is it's the is it the ninth largest economy in the world, something like that, or? But it's a, it's it's a very big economy and very wealthy. Although a lot of the rich people are starting to leave, apparently, go and live in Texas. But they can't keep the lights on. And that's now. And that's at 36% renewables, where in 10 years' time they want to be at 60% renewables, and within 25 years, 100% renewables. They're basically done. This is the path down which we in Ireland have set our, our, our decided to set ourselves as well. And all I'm saying is, lads, stand back, 
have a little look at countries at places where they've already gone down this path, places that are richer than ours, places where they have probably, you'd have to say, more natural advantages when it comes to it, because California also has access to hydroelectricity, because you've got deep canyon rivers and high speed. The kind our, our rivers, I don't think, are particularly well adapted. They're not they're, they're not the right shape or in the right place for that for hydro. Right now, they're they are actually having blackouts because they can't make enough electricity. That's the choice that we're going to make, and we're at, our only hope is that the French keep building enough nuclear power stations to keep the whole of Europe going as the rest of Europe gradually falls down the same hole. Historically, Michael, relying on the French to save Europe has been an absolute winner. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it is uh, as a strategy. As a strategy, I don't know if it is the best one. But listen, it's out there. That's the problem with the French. Like they're they're solid for a while, but you know, there's some like in the back of the mind, someone is just going, "Fuck it, maybe Napoleon was right." <laughs> well. You, well as regards Napoleon, I think Napoleon probably was right, at, depending when you're talking about it. Now, and speaking of Napoleon and the French, Gary, I don't know, have you been following the most recent eruptions across the United States? I think you remarked to me off air, it's a bit like somebody read the, the first chapter of the history of the French Revolution, said to themselves, gee, that sounds like a lark, closed the book and went off and never went back to it. Is the United States actually having a nervous breakdown in front of the rest of the world? Are they going slightly mad? I will say that was something someone said to me. I can't take credit for that. But uh, they, do, they do seem to be... They, well, for years they seem to have lost their mind. Ever, not since Trump was elected, before that slightly, for a couple of years... But it's accelerated dramatically. Uh, people putting guillotines in front of politicians' houses. People draping American flags over guillotines and then setting them on fire, which is less threatening and more makes you makes me think you don't know the difference in a guillotine and a clothes horse. Yeah, you kind of you look. I looked at that and I thought, do you know how it works? I mean, at least like put a put a dummy through it and wrap the flag around it. Maybe yeah. then, like that's something. But, uh, yeah, the, the race riots are, uh, they're, they're something, although they largely seem to be white people in a lot of the country. I have, every time I see a video come out of America now, I expect it to fade to black at the end and just text to come up saying, paid for by the committee to re-elect Donald Trump. It, it's, it's incredible. And I've even seen, I've started to see kind of left-wingers in America look at some of the video coming up and just sort of go, Oh, Trump could win. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I mean, there is no greater gift than than what is currently happening. So a couple of things have happened recently in this. One that was interesting is that the um, there was a release of uh, some documents about George Floyd from the court filings. Uh, the medical examiner was talking about the level of drugs that George Floyd had in his system. In the hospital, so before the autopsy. So they would have been higher levels than seeing the autopsy because they would have degraded slightly by then. Sure. And uh, he said that if they had found George Floyd just dead on the ground, 
with no signs of what had happened, based on his blood work, they would have just said he overdosed. Because he uh, the, the level of fentanyl in his system was at a potentially lethal level. One of the interesting things is fentanyl, is fentanyl can cause shortness of breath and uh, issues with the lungs. Do you remember the Hale-Bopp Comet? I remember the suicides. Do you remember the suicides of the uh, solar... It was the new solar temple, wasn't it? They all dressed in purple with, with white runners. I just... It reminds me. They committed suicide by drinking fentanyl and vodka. Well, a classic. There's fun fact for you there with, about fentanyl. So that that's what happened. Then, then there have been some more shootings since then. Yes. Oh, on Sunday evening, there's a guy called Jacob Blake. And he was shot. He didn't die, but he's paralyzed. Uh, the news is reporting that it will take a miracle for him to walk again. He was shot several times in a place called... Kenosha, I think. You know, I think the first time I pronounced it correctly when we were talking, and it is Kenosha, I just butchered it every single time since then. <laughs> But anyway, there have been riots. There were protests, and then they got to the riot. I found as the as we the BLM thing has gone on, they have grown increasingly efficient, and now the time between protest and riot has, in many cases, been shortened to uh, pretty much immediately. Actually, it's it's very impressive. I don't know if it's just chance or it's the bits of video that I'm seeing. It also seems to me that they're getting whiter. I think they are getting whiter, although there is still a notable black presence in some of them. Um, by the way, Jacob Blake, the the uh, governor of the state, came out, and but no one knows what happened here. There, there are two videos. The first video came out, and it showed Mr. Blake being shot in the back as he went to his car. The guy who recorded said that he could hear police saying he dropped the knife, but he didn't see any knife. And that uh, Mr. Blake was not fighting with the police officers, that there was no violence. Then yesterday, a second video came out that shows it from a different angle and shows that Mr. Blake was very much fighting with the police officers and in fact had been tased. And they take him to the ground and he walks around to his car and reaches in, doesn't get into the car, reaches in for something and then gets shot. And the idea is that he had said he was going to get a weapon from the car and the police officers shot him when he went for it with his children in the car. Now, the police weren't wearing body cameras. No one knows the truth of that. But in the time it took for the second video to come out, the protests had already escalated. Uh, the governor had come out and he was saying that this wasn't the first time a black man has been without mercy shot by police. Joe Biden came out and shed it, said it showed the systemic racism of policing in uh, America. And again, I would make the point that it is entirely possible there was some racial element to this, or this is police brutality. No one has any idea what happened here. I don't understand that at this stage, people, Joe Biden is the candidate for the presidency of the Democratic Party. He has a more than 50% chance of being the next president. He's an important man. He's an important voice. How have we not understood that when you see a clip of a video coming out on the internet, we don't know what it means. We don't know what 
that represents. We don't know if there's other video. We don't know what the context is. We don't know if it's been doctored or altered or edited. Why is it necessary? Why do people feel it's necessary? Why do media groups feel it is necessary to come to an immediate conclusion? Rather than report, these are the initial scenes, this is the initial impression, but they don't do that. They come to conclusions, they publish those conclusions, and they, those conclusions very often are going to be the first and the last thing that most people will read about that. And that is what the story will be. The, the, I suppose in the last while, the most obvious example of this was the Covington case, where that young man is now going to be very, very wealthy indeed. Oh, it's just a series of defamation cases across the, the globe at this stage. And they are, they're just falling over one by one. They're settling, 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 because there's, there's no point in trying to defend that. But it's when I was talking to Glenn Lowry and we're talking about the Floyd case, I mean, it was, I, 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 was, I said to friends at the time, I, I said to Glenn, that you saw what's happened and it's horrible to watch, but we don't necessarily know what it means. Everybody just baked into the narrative from the very minute it came out was this was a racist killing. When we don't, we knew nothing about the interaction, we knew nothing about the history, we knew nothing about the cop. There was, on the face of it, there was no prima facie evidence at all to say that there was a racial element to this. We don't know what happened in the case of uh, this, man, this man here. But the, the media outlets that I saw, and I'm sure you say, had already arrived at a conclusion. Joe Biden. It's incredibly... You, 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 and here's one of the reasons we talked about with Larry, why it's dangerous. Once you establish these things as facts, you just referred to the uh, the toxicology report, which came back from the autopsy, right? Or from the actually from the blood taken when the man arrived in hospital. Now, it, on the face of that, I mean, it was already going to be very difficult. But... Get a jury to find that policeman guilty of second-degree murder is looking harder and harder and harder. Now, we're now facing a situation where the whole of the United States has been told that this man is a murderer, and that word has been used many times, murder and murderer. What happens if he's found not guilty? What's that going to do in a country that seems to be ready to explode into rioting and uh, at the drop uh, at, at the drop of a hat. Now, remember the Rodney King riots? I don't know if you are old enough to remember them, but that was a, a time when it seemed that it was, um, shall we say, more controllable and less likely. This America could go up like a tinderbox now. It's deeply responsible of Joe Biden and the media to arrive at conclusions without actually knowing what the hell they're talking about. The um, yeah, I. I... I had heard that it had been said he had a gun or he was reaching for a weapon. And I was trying to go through what had been released to see was that actually the case. Because obviously there's a great difference between shooting an unarmed man in the back and shooting either an armed man or a man reaching for a weapon in the back. Comes a lot more understandable. And to try and find just the basic facts of this case is incredibly difficult. I mean... The news reporting on it is one deeply ideological on either side. Most of it being, this is horrific and these people are murderers. And some of it just being, well, it could never be wrong for a police officer to shoot someone. Neither of which is terribly helpful. But I, I, 
one thing I wasn't actually able to find is things like, um, so you'd see media and they'd say that they quote the witness who said that he didn't see a weapon when the police said that, uh, you know, drop the knife. But I couldn't find any of them that said if a weapon was recovered at the scene, which yeah. would seem immediately uh, relevant. Now, it also took me a while to figure out who this guy actually was. So, again, and you saw the same issue with, with the George Floyd thing. Mr. Blake had a bit of a criminal history, which the police officers dealing with him might have been aware of. Would you like to know what his history was, Michael? Go ahead. So he had uh, an outstanding arrest warrant for sexual assault, trespassing, and disorderly conduct uh, related to a domestic abuse. And police were responding to a domestic uh, abuse call when he was shot. Now, in 2015, he was charged with resisting arrest and injuring a police officer. Now, what had happened there is he pulled a gun in a, a bar, uh, pointed it at someone, and then the magazine fell out of the gun. Wow. So he was charged with uh, carrying a concealed weapon, carrying a firearm while intoxicated, uh, endangering... The phrasing. The phrase I saw was endangering safety use of a dangerous weapon, which I haven't heard of, but maybe it, it seems like it was a misdemeanor anyway and disorderly conduct and he could have gotten up to eight and a half years in prison for that uh-huh so he basically got drunk got into an argument with another guy pulled a gun on him and then magazine fell out of the gun so he couldn't shoot him so police may have been aware of that right yeah so a man you know that history you take him to the ground you tase him he still gets back up walks around to the side of the car and start reaching in for something, when you know in the previous instance that he had kept a gun in his car as well, might be might make you a little bit uh, unhappy. Is there any indication if he was if the man was intoxicated in any way? No, no, we haven't no information like that. Now it it does look like when he when this was originally reported, his children were in the back of the car. Yes. And either his girlfriend or his wife, I'm not actually sure of the exact relationship there, uh, had said that he wasn't fighting with the police, which we now know to be incorrect. Mm. So, anyway, the videos that have been coming out of this place following his shooting have been... I mean, if, if the GOP had designed videos to get people who hate Donald Trump to vote for Donald Trump, they could not have done it better. Yeah, I mean, videos of businesses being smashed apart, set on fire, videos of people saying, well, sometimes you need to burn down a business. Yeah, I mean, that was, I saw this guy who was just around the corner from uh, the, 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 the flashpoint, the first flashpoint of the morning, and saying, oh, well, you know, I, people are angry. Sometimes you've got to burn down a few businesses. And he, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'll be uttered as phlegmatic about the whole thing. Were it, was it your business? Were it your business? He would be. It's but I it's I don't know if it's connected to the into the shooting of this man, and you know, whatever the situation is, it's very hard for people. I think in Europe, certainly a place like Ireland where we have an unarmed police, when you watch something like this, by the end of this whole process, 
there are, I think, like five or six p- policemen there. And you, frankly, I'm looking at it, and I, I, I'm, I know I'm not in their situation. Uh, if he's going for a gun, what do you do? But you, you kind of think, geez, there were six years. Did you have to shoot the guy? But that's the American thing, and I think we have to remember it as when Irish people or British people in Europe watch this. American policing is different. Now, whether that's the Americans have to, if the Americans are are happy with that or if they want to change the way they do that, it's uh, a country where every time you stop a car, you are aware that the guy in the glove compartment may have a a gun. <laughs> a country, Gary, where if you sit on someone, you may discover they have an A, an, uh, what was it, uh, an A47. What was this, sir? Do you remember the, there was a an Antifa guy running after another running after a guy? Oh, this is also from these rats. There's a yeah. video of protesters chasing down these people. One of whom is holding uh, an AR-15, and uh, the guy falls, and someone tries to uh, get on top of him, and that man gets shot. Uh, blows like a fist-sized chunk out of his bicep, and you're like, well, you know. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. If someone is trying to retreat from you and they have a rifle, maybe don't try and get on top of them. Because then they can't retreat and they're going to shoot you. I don't know if if, if afterwards you might also post a link at the bottom. There are some videos going around of persuasion sessions. They're, they're struggle. They're old Red Guard struggle sessions. People going up to people in restaurants and demanding that they hold up their fist in the black power fist and saying that silence is violence. White silence is violence. And some people just do it, either because they have no self-respect or because they really just have better things to be doing. And some people refuse to do it. And the people who refuse to do it, there's video of... There's a couple couple of videos of this, but there's one in particular of a woman who is against a wall, and there's a crowd, I mean, at most, like, one to two foot away from her, screaming at her about how it's a, it's a mass. It's a mass of people, and they are getting in her face as one, what looks like rather an, an older-than-average lady in the context of these, bending her finger. They're really aggressive, I and mean, it's... And they're screaming. Yeah, they, they are they are really going at it. I mean, there's a couple of points in the video where you would go, well, if she was armed and shot one of them, yeah, there wouldn't be a court in the country that would convict. Because it's, it's aggressive and there's a lot of them. And then afterwards, she said she, she agreed with them. But she just, like, you don't get to come up to someone and scream that they do something in a fairly threatening way and comply. And she just said, well, I didn't want to because they were demanding I do it. So... Which actually makes it, I think, even more admirable. She just, no, I agree with you, but no, you, this is not how you do it. But you, the point you were making earlier about, you know, what, what do you want to do if you wanted to design a video to make people vote for Donald Trump? Well, these are the videos oh, you yeah, want yeah. to do. Just a woman but, pressed against a wall as people scream in her face. I love at the end of it, someone just going, are you a Christian? <laughs> That would explain everything. That's not the the best video I've seen come out of this is of uh, some shopkeepers and they're wearing uh, body armor and they've got AR-15s because everyone in America seems to have an AR-15. 
Uh, I, I've never actually used an AR-15. I'm told it's a very good platform for modification and just for use generally. So, and um, they're just they're just very politely telling people the sh- the shop is a little bit back in the road that uh, we're going to have to ask you to you know stay away from the property. Sir, I got to st- I got to sir, I'm going to have to ask you to stand back for off the property there, please, sir. It, very very ter- polite. Very polite, yeah. And uh, someone. <laughs> this, this group of protesters who have been burning down stuff all around the place start saying that you know, that's illegal. And then it just ends up, people start talking about how they're going to make a complaint and how they yeah. should all make complaints. We should all, this every, everybody make a complaint, everybody. I think it, yeah. It's like, let, let, I'm going to tell teacher. I'm going to tell teacher if you don't do this. They, they re- resort to this child. And, there is a certain element of this which just seems like a massive childish tantrum. But the thing that I found really curious was if you looked on social media and Twitter when, and, and the, 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 the video of this woman being harangued is all over the place. The number of people who are defending it by saying, you don't understand how angry people are. People are really angry. And you have this is what's going to happen when people are so angry. First of all, I'm thinking, I don't think that people are actually that angry. Not real anger. This is a performative anger. I don't think that people really get angry about things unless it's personal to them or to someone that they actually care about. I think an abstract individual suffering an abstract injustice in a town a thousand miles away, you will feel maybe just real acting out anger like that. No, this is a narcissistic expression. But even if they did feel this, and I was saying this to you earlier, every, well, maybe not everybody, but most people in life, you're going to have moments where you are just really incredibly angry, incandescently angry with a person. And it is remarkable the number of times you don't kill that person with a lump hammer. Mm. Again and again, people get really angry and don't kill people with hammers because you get angry and you realize there are certain things you don't do. You control it. You don't get into a mob of 100 people, surround women and start shouting and screaming at them and saying, well, it's okay because we're really angry. I know, that's not, that's the act of a tent. That's a toddler. That's either a toddler or a person with a mental health problem. An adult who is angry is continent in their anger. You don't do that to other people. You go off and kick the cat, poor cat, maybe. I'm speaking figuratively here. Not about real cats and real kicking, just in case anybody's concerned. All right. So since the uh, since the protests started, there are two dead and one wounded in shootings. Two dead and one two wounded. Dead. Yeah. When the um, that guy was shot in the arm, another guy was shot in the chest at that, and I believe someone got shot in the head. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, again, this is why you don't try and chase down people with rifles who are retreating from you because they will fire at you. Um, just not a great idea. The interesting thing, and what, what's started to happen in America the last couple of days, or really, it's, it was always happening to a very small extent, but now it's spreading and spreading rapidly, is that when these protests happen, other people are turning up. And not to counter-protest. People with guns and body armor and weapons and they are turning up to protect property or to limit 
the spread of some of the violence. And those groups have become increasingly willing to shoot the rioters. Which is, I mean, in many ways it makes me think of the rooftop Koreans, Michael. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Nature is healing. Maybe nature is healing. I tell you, if this, we're now, if this keeps trundling on, God, I mean, they are genuinely, they're trying to find a path for to the White House for Donald, aren't they? They are really doing their level best. Oh, I mean, the statue thing was, was great. That was, that was already going to be on wide, on you know, widespread distribution come the election. But this, this is just people screaming at you, demanding you say what they want you to say. Also, it is just like a good old-fashioned red guard. And also, if you look at the cities, I mean, it's it's perfect narrative. It's uh, it, uh, Seattle, it's Portland, it's Chicago, it's uh, Minneapolis, uh, it's New York, it's Washington, D.C. Again and again and again. They're all democratic cities. They're all Democrat-run cities, Democrat premiers, Democrat chiefs of police. And they're still not in control. A number of these cities, are they're still not in control. Uh, and also the crime figures. Like if you look at New York and other places, the crime figures are looking nastier and nastier. As this process of unfunding or lowering funding or diverted funding from policing is going on. You know, also, if you're a if you're a cop in America today, something like this happens, and we don't know what happens. Maybe they broke all sorts of laws. Maybe it was racist. But if you're a cop today, and something like this happens, and the guy who might be the next president comes out and says, "Bang, police in America are systemic racists," how does that make you feel? How is that also? How is that going to affect the way you police? We, we we know that in the past, when the police have withdrawn from active policing as a, in response to situations like this, life becomes more and more dangerous for poor black people. In the long, in the medium to long term, you would expect this to make policing in America worse. Not because of the immediate impact, but on the impact this will have on recruitment. The sort of people who go into policing because they either want to protect their community or because it's a job with a relatively high amount of status in America um, that blue-collar people can go for. As you lessen the status attached to the job, and as you turn the narrative away from protecting the community to the police are bastards, the quality of people who are going to go for the police is going to degrade substantially, which, if anything, will make these problems substantially worse. We know that there are certain kinds of jobs that people do where there is part of the compensation is status, social opinion that people have of you. For example, for a long time, uh, teaching had obviously lower pay, significantly lower pay than other professions. It also, but it still carried the status of a profession. Therefore, when you lose status, you, 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 unless you really substantially increase the money, which will also mean you increase the status, then the kinds of the kinds of the quality of the applicants that you you will attract the, starts to decline, and then you get into a kind of a, a vicious circle regarding who you're in. And if that that in that is true of policing, the policing in the United States 
particularly in certain cities, had a, had a status to it within within the blue blue collar world that to be a policeman was to be part part of that protective services world, like firemen, policemen, whatever. And part of your your compensation was the status you enjoyed your community. If you're going to, if people are going to be shitting all over you. They they better start paying cops a hell of a lot more if they want to kick even people in. This is this is not a good plan. This is not a good way forward. But it's a very strange country over there, Gary. It does. It it you know. Sometimes you just need to you know act out and get it out of your system, Michael. So I think a small scale civil war might be might be the appropriate therapeutic approach at this point. You mean like have a bit of a have a secession? No, I just think that sometimes the best way for a country to move forward is to just kill all the unhappy people. Gary, I think you might find that would involve killing rather a lot of people. More more than, shall we say, you would have put forward as acceptable within the tolerance. Oh, Michael, I, I think you are dramatically underestimating my tolerance for civilian casualties. I... Maybe you're all, you're underestimating civilians' tolerance for civilian casualties. Anyway, anyway. By the way, not to be picky, but in a civil war, there are no civilians. There are only non-combatants. Let's just say there are only combatants. <laughs> kill them all. Let God sort them out. Yeah, except kill them all. The American Constitution knows its own. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, we. Uh, Reposed faith ultimately in the institutions and the good sense of the people of the United States because after all they still have more nuclear weapons than you need to blow up all the rest of us many many times over so we would like to see them return to sanity sometime soon um, however there's a chance that that won't have happened by fr t by Friday. So when we're back on Friday, Gary, we may be even talking about this again. Who knows? There may be more more cities have decided to go down the incendiary route. But uh, we hope not. With that, be, even if it was a good story, we we would prefer that uh, peace and goodwill reigned across from sea to shining sea. Unless they feel like it. Unless they really, really feel like it, or they really, really want to. I mean, we know. I mean, going... the problem, the problem with civil wars is they are again very Moorish, <laughs> much like heroin. And on that note, I think we'll say uh, goodbye for the time being. We'll be back on Friday, hopefully. Phil Hogan will still be the commissioner, and the United States will still be a peaceful and united federal federation but if it's not it'll give us something to talk about. you know i think we need to we need a meditation to consider until friday michael it's a, it's part of a it's a small part of becoming more rounded uh, loving people in this world oh yes i think what we need to consider michael is how we can summon the level of optimism displayed by phil hogan when he thought that he as like a what six five or six six foot tall man, yes, could inconspicuously have a dinner at the K Club <laughs> without anyone noticing, and nobody say, "Oh look, it's Phil Hogan." No, it's Phil Hogan, the <laughs> one of the most powerful men in the EU, in the K Club, think, a place yeah. where they might recognise that. Yeah. I think that's a lovely meditation. Mm. And now I he's think... just been hung for that. 
Yes, yeah, that's a, that's that's a, that's. A... But we need to we need to get that level of optimism and belief in ourselves into our daily lives. I think, Michael. I think, and that will be the that will be the boost the economy needs when we all get vaccinated uh, in three weeks' time by the Russians. Because <laughs> I'm being optimistic now, you see. Okay, that's a lovely thought. And uh, anyway, until then, we'll be back on Friday. Mind yourselves and have a good week. All the best.